The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 144 Taking the Problem to God The gold and silver tribute had not been enough to convince King Sennacherib to leave Judah. His main army continued to ravage the city of Lachish, coming up against its walls with giant battering rams and siege towers. He had sent a large force to Jerusalem. The threat of attack loomed over the city. Rabshakeh's vile speech against the God of Israel instilled fear in the Jews, watching and listening from the city wall. Meanwhile, King Hezekiah waited in his palace to hear the report from his faithful servants. Eliakim, Joah, and Shebna entered the king's chamber. Their clothes were torn, ripped as an expression of sorrow and distress over Rabshakeh's message. It doesn't look good at all, Eliakim said. Hezekiah stood up from his writing desk, his eyes red and moist. Sennacherib intends to come to the city and wipe out our people unless they surrender, Shebna related. And he has shouted out these terms in Hebrew, so all of Jerusalem knows what is at stake, Joah added. Hezekiah didn't say a word. He looked at his three royal servants, their beautiful royal attire ripped apart, and thought about how times had changed in Jerusalem. Years ago, at the beginning of his reign, joy and laughter echoed throughout the holy city. At that time, these three men had only good news to report and record. Now his nation was being overrun, the temple treasury was gone, and Jerusalem was under siege. He knew he was to blame. While he had hoped the Assyrians would take the money and leave, Hezekiah had already begun to see that this was a test of his faith and reliance on God. So far, he had failed. He hadn't been fully ready to rely on God, but the king was determined to change that. Go and find the prophet Isaiah, my old friend, the king commanded. Though I haven't spoken to him for a while, God is merciful and will show us what to do through him. Read him this letter, he continued, handing them a message. Make haste, I will be at the temple praying to our God if you need me. The weight of his responsibility for the deterioration of the nation burdened Hezekiah greatly. As soon as his servants left, he cried out to God, tearing apart his kingly garments and changing into sackcloth as a sign of his humble state. He then collected his emotions and made his way to the temple. Walking through the courtyard, Hezekiah took note of the derelict state of the sacred building, where the sunlight once reflected off the brilliant golden pillars and doors. Now it just lit a darkened, scratched-up wooden surface. His heart throbbed with the knowledge that he was the one who had ripped the gold and silver off the building. However, he didn't lose hope completely. He knew that while the former glory of the temple was gone, what was important was that God was still there, and he hoped that he would hear his repentant prayer.
the prophet Isaiah had been told what Rabshakeh said outside of Jerusalem's walls and knew that only God could deliver Judah from its dire situation. While he hadn't spoken to Hezekiah for some time, Isaiah had not ceased praying that the king would return to his former faith and trust God for help. Seeing Eliakim, Joah, and Shebna at his door was the first sign that Hezekiah was ready to fully rely on God. I know why you have come, Isaiah said to the three men whom he knew. How is the king? He is in the temple, confessing to God and sent us for your direction, Eliakim said. He has sent this letter to you. Isaiah opened the scroll and began to read, Today is a day of trouble, insults, and blasphemy. Jerusalem is in pain, like when a child is ready to be born, but the mother has no strength to deliver the baby. But perhaps the Eternal our God has heard the Assyrian chief of staff sent by Sennacherib to defy the living God and will punish him for his words against God. Oh, please pray for those of us who are left. Finishing the letter, Isaiah looked up to the servants. Hezekiah is doing the right thing, he said. Return to the king and deliver this message from God. Do not be disturbed by this blasphemous speech against me from the Assyrian king's messengers. Listen, I will move against him. Sennacherib will receive a message that he is needed at home. He will return to his land where I will have him killed with a sword. Empowered by these words from God's prophet, the three servants hastened back to the temple. There they found King Hezekiah kneeling before the holy structure. He finished praying as he heard them approach, and they eagerly informed him of what Isaiah had said. Hezekiah was relieved to hear that God would indeed protect his city. He rejoiced that even though he had made mistakes, God had heard his prayer and was willing to work through him once again. The Assyrian army, however, was still on the march through the countryside of Judah. Having successfully ended the siege on the walled fortress of Lachish, Sennacherib moved on to Libna. The army was beginning its attack on the city when an Assyrian spy arrived and warned Sennacherib that the king of Ethiopia had joined with an Egyptian army and was preparing to attack the Assyrian army while it was in Judah. Sennacherib immediately decided to head to Jerusalem and conquer it first. Once Jerusalem was conquered, the whole nation would be his and he would be able to defeat the Ethiopians. The king hoped Hezekiah would give up without a fight. About this time, another grave concern troubled Hezekiah. He was suffering from a debilitating sickness. The stress of the Assyrian incursion was taking its toll on the king's body. Hezekiah was so sick that God sent the prophet Isaiah with a dire message. Hezekiah, the prophet began, God has sent me to tell you that it is time to settle your personal affairs, especially about who will rule after you since you have no offspring. God has purposed to take your life soon. 
Hezekiah had been trying to ignore his sickness, but God led Isaiah to tell him how serious the condition was. The king had been negligent in marrying and producing an heir. Now, while the Assyrians were trying to conquer Jerusalem, God confronted him with this matter. Once Isaiah delivered the message, he left to return to his home. Facing imminent death, Hezekiah immediately turned to God for deliverance. God, I know I have not been a perfect man, but I have lived by your laws in truth and tried to follow your law. I beseech you, please do not take my life now. Let me continue to serve you and your people. Let me live so that I might have a son to sit on David's throne. <laughs> the king began to weep as he besought God's mercy. Isaiah had exited the palace grounds and turned for home when God called out to him. Isaiah, I have another message for your king. As soon as you left, Hezekiah bowed his head to me and prayed. I want you to deliver my answer to him right away. Go and tell Hezekiah that I have heard his prayer, and I have seen his tears, because he came to me in a humble attitude. In three days, I will heal him of his disease. Not only will I heal him, but I promise to add unto him 15 extra years of life. And I will defend this city from the Assyrians. When Isaiah delivered the second message to Hezekiah, the king was overjoyed, yet a bit hesitant to believe God had so quickly changed his mind. He asked Isaiah, How do I know that God will fulfill this promise to grant me an extra 15 years of life? Isaiah took a moment to think and allow God to speak through him. God will indeed give you a sign that he will perform this miracle for you. He declared, Remember the massive sundial that your father Ahaz built? The prophet asked. The shadow it casts indicates the time. God will move the shadow forward 10 degrees instantly or back 10 degrees instantly, whatever you prefer. This will be your sign that God will heal you. Hezekiah responded, it would be nothing for God to move the shadow forward 10 degrees. That is how the shadow always moves. But to move it back, God would have to reverse the whole rotation of the earth. I should like to see the shadow move back 10 degrees. So be it. I'll go and tell God your choice. You keep an eye on your father's sundial. Most people in this world are so far from God that it is difficult for them to understand how such an event could take place. But miracles, by definition, cannot be explained by physical laws. Miracles have to do with God temporarily suspending 
or canceling certain physical laws in a supernatural occurrence. But God, the creator of the physical laws of the universe, has the power to change them. At this time in Hezekiah's life, he was so close to God that the idea of God moving back the sun, or rather, moving back the earth, was as easy to believe as the sun rising in the morning. later, as Hezekiah peered out his palace window to the courtyard where his father had built the large sundial, he noticed its shadow had stopped moving forward. As his eyes focused on the steps, he watched the shadow go backward a full ten degrees. Thank you, God! Hezekiah exclaimed as he fell to his knees. He now knew that God would grant him an extra 15 years of life. Hezekiah understood that it wasn't enough just to expect miracles. One must thank God mightily once they occur. He knew he would now be healed. He had been granted enough time to father a child to continue the throne of David. Healing wasn't the only thing God had promised Hezekiah. He had also promised to defend the city of Jerusalem from the besieging Assyrians. Only a couple of days later, King Hezekiah received a letter, this time from King Sennacherib himself. Don't let your God deceive you with promises that I will not capture Jerusalem. You know perfectly well what the kings of Assyria have done wherever we have gone. We have completely destroyed everyone who stood in our way. Why should you be any different? Have the gods of other nations rescued them? Such nations as Gozen, Haran, Rezeth, and the people of Eden, who were in Telazar? My predecessors destroyed them all. What happened to the king of Hamath and the king of Arpad? What happened to the kings of Sepharim, Hena, and Iva? We have destroyed them all. That's what happened. And you will suffer the same fate, the letter declared. The Assyrian king wasn't bluffing. The Assyrian army had smashed all the people north of Israel. Their phony gods had been no help. In Sennacherib's opinion, the Jewish nation and the God of Israel would be crushed just as easily. The terse letter without the normal formalities of international correspondence, was intended to scare Hezekiah into compliance. But rather than allowing fear to control his response, Hezekiah reacted in perfect faith. With scroll in hand, the king marched into the temple courtyard. Finding a spot at the front of the temple porch, the king knelt and spread out Sennacherib's scroll in front of him. Laying it before God, he took off his crown and bowed his face toward the ground. With arms outstretched in supplication, the king began to pray boldly, yet humbly to God. 
O Lord God Almighty, seated on your powerful throne between the mighty archangels in heaven, you alone are God of all the kingdoms of the earth. You alone created the heavens and the earth. Please, God, bend down and lower your ear to earth and listen to my prayer. Open your eyes and see how Sennacherib's words defy you. Sennacherib's letter is before me. In part, what he says is true. The kings of Assyria have indeed destroyed all these nations. They have thrown the gods of these nations into the fire and burned them. But, of course, the Assyrians could destroy them. The gods of those lands weren't like you. They were only idols made of wood and stone, shaped by human hands. Now, Almighty, our great God, rescue us from his power. Then all the kingdoms of the earth will know that you alone are God. God was pleased by Hezekiah's response to this newest threat. The king had realized that Sennacherib's boast was not against him, but rather against the God of Israel. And as such, the mighty Assyrian army was God's problem to deal with. Hezekiah had already proven that there was nothing he could do to stop this most powerful army in the world. So he turned the Assyrian army over to God. No doubt, this is what God had intended Hezekiah to do from the very beginning. Again, God sent the prophet Isaiah to answer King Hezekiah's prayer. The God of Israel says to you, Hezekiah, I have heard your prayer to me about King Sennacherib. I have spoken this against him, who dares defy me. The daughters of Jerusalem will laugh at you and mock you when you leave. Do you understand whom you have ridiculed and blasphemed? Do you know whom you have raised your voice at and boastfully threatened? You have done it against the Holy One of Israel. By your messengers, you have ridiculed God. You gloated. With all my chariots, I have ascended the mountains of Lebanon, and I have cut down the tallest cedars. I have conquered all the remotest lands and dug wells in foreign lands to drink. With the soles of my feet, I have dried up the streams of Egypt. O oh, feeble Sennacherib! Don't you know that long ago I planned your victories, and now I have brought it to pass through you? But I know what you have done, and I know how you have raged against me, the God of Israel. Because your insolence has reached my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will make you return the way you came." Concerning this wicked king, Isaiah continued, God has said that he will not enter into this holy city of Jerusalem, neither will he shoot a single arrow against it, nor raise up a siege tower on its walls. By the way that he came, he shall return. To uphold his covenant with David, 
God says that he will defend this city and save it. be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the resources tab at pcg.church.